Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for choosing us and not leaving us in our sin and iniquity, but rescuing us out of the hands of darkness and into the kingdom of light. And I thank you, Father, for this incredible love that surrounds us, that engulfs us, that embodies us, that heals us, that builds us, that shapes us, that enables and empowers us to walk in the manner in which you walk. Thank you, Lord, that you're the God that heals the brokenhearted, that brings a reality when there wasn't one, to set the captive free and to bring us into life, to be free from the sin and iniquity that holds us and live as new creations, sons of royalty, not slaves or orphans, but sons. So God, we thank you for your beauty and your care and your love this morning to minister to us as your children. Amen. Amen. He's good, eh? So kind. continue looking at um, DNA, and if you weren't with us uh, a couple of weeks ago when I started this, uh, DNA in the natural stands for deoxyribonucleic acid. That's what it means in the natural. I saw that without my glasses. That's because I'm 20 print. (laughs) But in the kingdom, it's called the divine nature of Abba. DNA, and DNA determines genetic code in the natural. That's why we we get DNA from our parents, hence that we look like them and our children look like us. And I I think that's such a beautiful typology that we are to look like Christ, that when we are born, we're born with a fallen nature, but he comes along and he imparts his new nature, his nature into us. And that's what it means to be born again. We get born again of a divine nature, no longer held by the earthly nature that we started life in and with, but set free from that and set free from the bondage of everything that goes with the natural DNA. Because so often, you know, in our environments that we grow up in, we can be influenced by our parents, by our friends in a negative way. And hence this morning, you know, if we haven't had a father figure in our life that Uh, For whatever reason, maybe his own brokenness was able to love you in a way that created and formed your identity. That no longer needs to hold you because God has given us, if we're in Christ this morning, and if you're not in Christ, I would invite you to receive him today and get in Christ because he wants to give you a brand new nature to set you free from everything old and bring you into everything new. That's been my experience of walking with him now for 21 years, 1997, receiving a brand new nature, which comes with the nature is the ability to live like the new nature. 
But I didn't find it in the sense of it's not come from my hard work, it's just come from my surrender and receiving that nature. And the first element, as we know, of the nature is love. So the DNA, the divine nature of our Abba Father is love. And there are so many attributes of God, but ultimately they all come back into a person called Jesus Christ. So God and Jesus is love. And we've been looking at this and... um, I just think it's so powerful that God's nature is love. He is love. He only knows love and how to love. Isn't that cool? And it's a love that that can take us a while to to receive because it has no conditions and we're so conditional on getting everything through work. When he comes to give it for free, it can actually mess us up a little bit. Especially if we haven't received free love. If you always had to earn your parents' love, if it's always been about works to you, as long as I do this, if I do this, these are other religions. They think if they do good works, they can earn their way when really the truth is the Father came down in our condition. He came down as we are because this is what love is able to do. It doesn't look at our behavior. It doesn't look at our nature. It just responds to us because he loves us before we ever were. Isn't that good news? And that was one of the things we looked at, that God's love, because God is love, isn't based on our iniquity. It's not based on our behavior. It's based on who he is. That doesn't mean we continue to live a life that's out of alignment to God. And just say, well, God loves me so I can live the way I like. No, that's not it. It's love and truth. But love, if we capture love, will have us looking at truth and wanting truth to form who we are. And Jesus is the truth as well. So he's love, he's truth, he is the way. There's so many attributes to him as a person, as God. But at the end of the day, once again, it all comes back to one being him. And the second thing that we looked at was God loved, so God's love covers our iniquity and our sinful nature. He doesn't expose it and leave us hanging out there. He comes and he covers it. Isn't that cool? He comes and he puts a garment on us to cover our nakedness. He doesn't want to embarrass us. He doesn't leave us hanging. He doesn't bring us in front of the church and say, hey, look at this. No, he covers. When the woman was caught in adultery, he came into the temple. They dragged her into the temple for everyone to see, and he covered her. Do you know we're supposed to cover one another? So often when offense hits, we uncover because we get hurt, so we have to lash back. But that's not to be who we're called to be because, once again, the divine nature of Abba living in us covers because love is in us and love is to be formed in us. Why this is so important. It's at the receiving of God's love through revelation that we are internally and eternally impacted and changed. I'm going to read that again. It's at the receiving, and this is a continuous thing of God's love. You have to receive it. You have to allow yourself to receive, which means you have to get vulnerable, something that we don't like to do, do we? But you just got vulnerable in, which is awesome. This is a safe place to be vulnerable. 
and allow God to do some surgery on our hearts. So this is the Father's love. It's at the receiving of the Father's love through revelation that we are internally and eternally impacted and changed. God wants to bring his life into us. He wants to heal our brokenness so we can walk as brand new creatures. He doesn't want us walking as broken, fractured people. He wants us walking as whole people. But that requires us to let his love come into us and go to work. So let's just go to 1 Corinthians 13. And I want to read uh, over us and into us. And we'll know this passage well. I'm going to read it reasonably quickly because I'm just going to speak about one of the attributes of love today, which is love is patient. I love this. The excellence of of love. If I speak with the tongues of men, this is in verse 1, and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, And if I surrender my body to being burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Three times is a warning in the scriptures by Paul, isn't there? Is before we start running off and trying to find giftings and callings and you know enter into the supernatural and try moving mountains and prophecy and preach and all these things, you need to have received the substance of the Father called love, because otherwise you can just be a noisy gong. Why? Because you're not necessarily doing all that in an alignment to his will. You're doing it in alignment to your will, thinking you're doing his will. And what you can end up doing is because you've got this gifting and this calling, which is irrevocable, and you know a measure of truth, you end up chopping off ears and chopping off heads rather than actually bringing a word that would restore and repair. We don't want to be doing that, do we? Because this isn't to be a place of mortuary, it's to be a place of life. Amen? And so we have to be careful that we have love first and allow that love to wash and form itself within us so then when we minister from love, love defines the gift. Love defines truth. We then know how to bring a word that might be sharp in love doesn't necessarily mean the person who's receiving it goes, hey, great, thanks a lot for that. You might still get a slap in the face. They pin Jesus to a cross because he did that. But you know in your heart, you brought it with love. And your heart was for the person to see them set free from something that may not even have known they were in bondage to. So this is really important. We capture this. And he says this in verse 4, love is patient, love is kind, and it's not jealous, it does not brag, it's not arrogant, it does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, it's not provoked, listen to this, does not take into account a wrong suffered. Wow. Jesus never took into a wrong, did he? He loved on the wrong. And he said, Father, forgive them. Why? Why? 
because he had this love I'm talking about in him. He was it. He was the embodiment of it. And we too can be divine nature of Abba living in the church enables the church to walk in the manner in which Jesus walked and lived. Now there's a promise to enter into, isn't it? Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Listen to this. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I also have been fully known. But now faith, hope, love, abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Just encourage you to meditate, marinate in those living scriptures when you go away during the week and just allow the Holy Spirit to permeate his reality in us because we are to receive and then be able to minister love the way Jesus did it. Which it's hard to get our head around, so don't try and get your head around it. Let your spirit just receive it through his power, through seeking him with your entire life. Amen? Do you know there are 16 attributes in that passage that define the Father's love? 16 elements, attributes that you could lay down in front and then they all come back into one position. So I'm going to talk about love as patient. But when I talk about being patient, no, you don't ask for more patience, you ask for more love. Because love is patient. Okay? So if we want to be more patient, we need more love. Which means we need more of Christ being revealed in us. We need to know more of the Father's love for us so we can minister love because I can't minister out of something I haven't received. I can't give away something I don't have. Silver and gold, Peter and John could not give it because they didn't have it. But what they said, what I have, I give to you. Now stand up and walk, be healed. It's the same thing. So we can't love and we can't be patient unless we've received love. And receiving love because we are to be perfected in love, the Bible says, through keeping the word of God, which is Jesus and his scriptures. Hence, it's so important that we are marinating, meditating, eating and drinking this food source, not acquiring information through the intellect. That will not enable you or empower you to be able to be patient and love. So six strewn attributes to which the first is love. The greatest relationship, I believe, outside of ourselves and God, for patience, love to be formed, is what? Marriage. <laughs> ten out of ten for that, man. <laughs> you see, God hoodwinks us all the time. 
We go, oh, I want to get married, I want to have kids, and we have no idea what we're getting ourselves involved in. We just think it's going to be all awesome, all roses, this is going to be amazing, and he goes, gotcha. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I didn't know this was going to happen, I didn't know this was going to happen. He said, yeah, yeah, it was always part of my master plan. I divinely deceived you all so I could go to work on your hearts so you can have love in you and you would be patient with me, others, and one another. What a master plan. For God is perfect in all his ways, isn't he? (laughs) It's fun. Marriage is fun. Makes you look at yourself. Makes you take account. You know, if you're married today, if you're in a relationship, any relationship, don't do this. Do this. Don't grab a mirror and go, hey, look in the mirror. Grab a mirror and turn it around and go, hey, look at me. And ask myself, I need more of you. And I shared this when we were in Cambodia. God spoke to me. I'm trying to blame Danielle for something. And God said, yep, her behavior was out of alignment. Yep, she shouldn't have done it. But it's not about her. It's about me and you. And it's about having more of my love in you so you can be more patient with her. Oh, God, no, no, not now, just this one time. No, not one time. It's always about your, Greg, personal, inside, eternal transformation. Why, God? So then you can live like me, son. Can't give away what you don't have. So... The marriage covenant, which is established in blood between us and God, then flows to us and our spouse. But once again, you don't, this isn't about being married physically. We're all married if we're to Christ, yes? So if we're in Christ, we're going to get hopefully married to Christ if we live the obedient, faithful life. And so in that environment, whether we're married or not, this needs to be happening. So he is so patient with me. He has been so patient with me. He continues to be so patient. And we're going to look at another point I want to give you. And we're to be patient with one another. So we're to be patient in a marriage covenant, but we're also supposed to be patient with our children, which is the second greatest relationship environment God gives the church to have love formed in her. How do you like that one? How many parents would agree? How many spouses would agree? It's a challenge, isn't it, being married and having kids? If you're single and not yet married and having kids, rethink. (laughs) I'm serious, though. We think it's going to be this fairy tale romance, the kids are going to be perfect. And then you get married and you have kids and it's not quite like you think it is. And then you get found out for where you're really at. Is it just me or anybody else? You sort of find where your shortcomings are a little bit. A lot. (laughs) And so God gives us children to help with the formation of this thing called patience. When you get past that, then he gives us one another. (laughs) This is a beautiful one. Then he gives us and he says, you know what? I'm going to put you together 
with a whole lot of people you probably would never even say hello to. A whole lot of random people from random backgrounds and we're going to bring them together and you might have nothing in common with them at all and you'd never hang out with them outside of being in me. Just me or anybody else? I said this to Sam when we were dropping off. I said, you know, I said, as elders, man, we're a really weird bunch of people. And I said, to be honest, I'm not sure if I would hang out with the elders... If I wasn't in Christ, because I don't have, we don't have a lot in common. Nobody loves the beloved game. Nobody loves the beloved music. And I'm working on it. But they haven't picked up the baton yet and ran with it. So I, you know, it's, but we are these people from different backgrounds, different personalities, different styles, different senses of humor. And yet, we are all in Him, so it works. Doesn't make it easy, but it works. And then we come together here. And the same thing is just magnified about 15 times. And if we're in him, we look beyond all that because we are connected to a much greater purpose. It's called his will and becoming his children, actually becoming his family. It says in Ephesians that Paul is praying. He says, I'm on my knees praying that this family to which you've all received your name. You see, when you become a follower, you lose your physical surname. Hear what I'm saying. I'm no longer a Simnor. I'm a Christian, a Christian, a follower of Jesus. I belong to the family of Christ. And my father, I got a brand new father. Can you hear what I'm saying? So yes, I have a physical father. He's passed away. But I actually, when I became a Christian, is my physical father stepped backwards and my actually divine father stepped forwards. And now I have a brand new father and I belong to a brand new family called the body of Christ. And I've derived my name from the name, how beautiful is the name, Jesus. So I have a brand new identity, I have a brand new purpose, I have a brand new realm that I'm now living on and in while I am here on earth. I'm only a visitor here. This is no longer my home, it used to be my home, it's no longer my home, for I've been called for a heavenly calling. And I have the capacity now, because I'm part of a brand new family, to be able to administer patience. How cool is that? Why? Because I got given a brand new name. And with that name comes a whole lot of things. Do you know there is an inheritance for all those who receive his name? He comes to Peter. You know the first thing he says? He says, I'm going to rename you. This is not who you are now. This is who you are. For the ability for us to receive love, to be able to be able to minister patience to one another. So the church is another environment that God has given for patience, love, to be formed in us. What do you reckon the next environment is? The world. <laughs> The world. 
How patient are you with those that don't know him? How patient are you with those that don't do what you want when you think they should? Are you able to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait? Or are we so outcome-driven in each one of those environments to get the outcome that we can't wait at all? You see, when we are primarily outcome-focused, we will never have patience formed in us. That's why we get upset. It's not happening in my time. Imagine if God treated us like that. (laughs) Simnor, you're not getting on board in my time. Strike. Simnor, you cried out a number of times now, and I came, and you, Simnor, didn't fulfill your word. Strike. But see, God, who is love, has the capability and the capacity to wait and wait and wait and wait. But what for? Because there's a purpose behind why he is patient. Do you know why he's patient? See, he waits for mankind to get to the end of himself. And he can because he's love. He doesn't even try and manipulate mankind to speed the process up. But he allows certain things that mankind will go through for mankind to realize just who he is and how much he's been loving. And God has this ability and the capacity to deal with us as individuals. Isn't this incredible? Every human being today on the planet, God has, whether they're in him or not, the capacity and the ability to wait and be patient. Waiting for each person, whether they're in him or not, to continue to turn and receive all that there is in him and be internally changed and eternally changed, whether I haven't yet received him or I received him and I'm growing in him. Because there are still things the church has not yet come into that God has called us to come into. So the same patience that he has with us is the same patience that he has with a lost person that doesn't yet even know him, that may even be cursing him, swearing at him, running away from him. He has no favorites, but there is favor through obedience. So he's able to stand there and wait because he's outside of time, but then he enters into time to help mankind. And he's already sent his boy, as we looked at, not determining by our behavior or by our actually fallen nature. And he's covering us while he waits for all of us to live a whole life of repentance. How good is he? He doesn't give us what our behavior deserves. He holds it back, waiting, waiting, waiting. Some people say God's late. He's never late. He's waiting for all people to come into the fullness of life that's in him. If he came now, we're going to miss out on what he has for us. Because I'm telling you, we're not yet in all that God has for us to come into. 
And that's okay, but allow the love that's covering you, allow God who's waiting and be patient to receive the promise from him being patient. It's phenomenal. And then he says, now guys, go model that. (laughs) And he turns the heat up and turns it back on us and says, you know what? You guys are my people. You're my sons. I've given you a divine nature to be able to model and be the manifold wisdom of me on the earth and to be able to love one another and be patient with one another while we're all on the process of change and then be patient with the world. Husbands, be patient with your wives. Wives, be patient with your husbands. Parents, be patient with your children. Isn't it really funny? I don't know about you, but sometimes we're able to operate in our natural humanity and and have patience for our natural children, but not necessarily have patience for our spiritual children or brothers and sisters. We somehow, because they've come from us, because they're our bloodline in the natural, are able to be way more patient Why? Have you ever asked yourself why? I'll leave that there and I'll ask you to go ask yourself why. If that is you. If you find it's easier to love the natural, ask yourself why. Here's the third truth. I've said it, but I'll just articulate it. Love has the ability and the capacity to wait and wait and wait for mankind to realize his need for him. Fourth truth, love is patient because it sees the end from the beginning. So love is patient, God is patient because he sees the macro picture. So he sees the end. He's declared the end from the beginning. He's outside of time and everything is finished in him. So everything is working perfectly to his plan. And he's waiting and watching and desiring things. You know, that's what I love so much about Jesus that when you look at his leadership, with his 12 disciples before he left to go with the Father. If you look at that through the physical lens, you'll go, he really sucked at leadership. He really wasn't that good as a leader. You know, he had a man betray him, sold him out for 30 silver coins. Thanks, friend. He had a man deny him that said he would never deny him. And I'll go to with you, be with your death. He had two other disciples that were always arguing and their mother jumped in and wanted to know, is my boy going to be at the right and the left hand of your kingdom? Which annoyed all the other guys. He had a guy that doubted whether he was even who he said he was. His own brother didn't really believe in him till after. But this is what I love about Jesus. He would not manipulate, coerce, or do anything and force them to do anything. He walked with them 
and was patient. Why? Well, because he's love, but he also saw the end from the beginning because he wrote it. And he sees the Holy Spirit coming. You see, when you have revelation, it also empowers the ability to be patient. When you can see who the person truly is in Christ and not the behavior that's coming at you, you can be patient. See, if you're looking always at the natural, if all you're seeing is the natural, man, there's no hope in that. But when you can see the eternal, when you can see, when your heart can see the eternal, when you can see the person, how God sees them, then you can actually be patient because you know they do not yet know who they are in Christ. And so all they're doing is acting and responding out of the wrong place. Isn't that cool? To be able to see that. So if they offend you, you can go, Father, forgive that my brother, my sister, the lost person, because the only reason they're doing this is because they don't know who they are. And if they knew who they were, they wouldn't act like this. It releases us. And we have to put ourselves in those shoes because we may be the one offending. And we may have no clue. And someone may actually be loving us like that. And we have zero clue. That's us. And I've said this before, and this is the truth. And it's said in love. But when we start to fully grasp who we are and we receive love, and it's built in us, we become this offenseless people. And we can love on the offense. It's not in my strength, it's in the love in me. Do you believe that's possible? If you never believe that's possible, then you will never go after what I just said. I 100% am convicted that that is the truth because that's what he actually says. I hope you do, because it's for you. The ability and the capability to be patient with your wife, your husband, your brother, your sister, your children, your parent, your grandparent, your work colleague, your boss, a stranger, the local employee at the garage, the person who just cut you off when you left here on the way to wherever, you can minister love. And be patient if we're in that love. And the more we can see the end from the beginning, the two greatest powerful revelations that I believe is in God is a revelation and a growing revelation of love, which is God, and his purposes. If you can see into the future, which the Bible says we can, and know the future and see people as God sees them, then you can actually operate like he did and minister grace and love because, man, we just respond out of our brokenness. That's why it says in Corinthians, they would not have crucified him had they known who he was. And that's where true compassion is found for people when you realize they wouldn't do this if they knew. So I can love because they're not meaning to do it even though they might mean to do it, if you can hear what I'm saying. If you can see that, man, 
You're bulletproof. Isn't that what the Bible says? Don't come short of the grace of God so no root of bitterness can enter into you and defile people. That's what it's meaning. Make sure you are full of grace, power, full of life. Why? So you can walk in the manner in which he walked. 1 John 2, 3 to 6, if you want a reference for that. So fourth truth, love is patient because it sees the end from the beginning. Fifth truth, final truth, love is patient so we can all receive and come into the full capacity of life in Christ. He's so patient. He's so long-suffering. So we, while we are here on earth, we are given a little marker in our lives. 1969 to don't know when. He does. He has placed me in history and defined my boundaries, access, that I would seek him with all my heart and find him and his purposes for my life, which is connected to the macro purpose of the church's life, which is your purpose. That's why my business is your business. Your business is my business. And when you don't turn up and when you don't play your part, that offends me. And when I don't turn up and I don't play my part, that affects you too. You see, it's the church is not this. Well, this is my business. It's me and God thing. That is not kingdom mindset. That is earthly. The mindset that says, I don't need to be part of a church is not God. It's the flesh. Maybe because we got hurt by one another because we didn't have love in us to cover that offense. So we throw rocks at one another, but we're actually not supposed to be throwing anything. And here's the challenge. Can you love on someone who's throwing a rock at your head? Can you catch it hit it and go, brother, I'm going to love you into surrender. Can you model something that's so outside of the realm of this earth that people are struck in amazement going, we are invited to. This is what it means to be in Christ, guys. And so God has determined our place in history that we can become these people in a demonstration, a manifestation of the church on the earth that is able to minister the manifold wisdom of God to one another and a lost world. And the lost world would know that Jesus was sent for them because we are these people of one. This is the truth. Man, I articulated that really well. Thank you, Holy Spirit. (laughs) That was not me, that's him. And so he gives us this opportunity, and he's so patient. He's patient with me. He's patient, son. His patience just keeps getting poured out. Paul said this in 1 Timothy 1, 15 to 18, sorry, 16. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. This man knew where he'd come from, and he knew the purpose of why Christ was sent. Yet for this reason, I found mercy. You see, for the reason of Christ's coming, I found mercy. Have mercy on me, Son of God. Have mercy. See, that comes from a place of humility. 
When someone cries, have mercy on me, they know their state. They know their iniquity. They know their fallen nature. They're very aware of their shortcomings and how they are not good. And so they cry out, have mercy on me, for I realize why you were sent to save me, because I could not save myself. This is powerful. This this is the great Pharisee. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me, in me, he's going to be internally changed for an eternal purpose, that in him as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. He's saying, look at my life. If you want to see how patient this God is, Jesus, look at my life. I was so far from. I'm doing the complete opposite to what I'm supposed to be doing. I am killing the church. That is not a good thing when you say you're representing heaven. (laughs) I'm here representing God of the universe and I'm destroying God. Imagine what God must have been doing. He was being patient. He was covering him. Why? Because God saw the end from the beginning and God had called Paul before he was even in his mother's womb to be this great apostle. And so God is being patient with him while Paul has to go through what Paul went through until Paul gets to the end of himself. And then God steps into Paul's life. Has he not done that for you and me? If you're in him. He steps into our world. He doesn't step out of it because he looks at our iniquity and sin. He steps into it. He's compelled to come into this fallen state. Into us. Into the fallen vessel. And establish himself in us. That we then can be patient with mankind, no matter who mankind is, and it's irrelevant on physical relationship. So when we're in Christ to the measure I'm talking about, we can be patient with a stranger just as much as with our wife. We can be just as patient with our husband, our children, our boss, our work colleague. doesn't matter. The person is irrelevant And how well you know them is irrelevant because the substance now that's being formed in you through all those relationships, which is God, love, just loves. Can you hear what I'm saying? God's love isn't determined by physical relationship, is it? Otherwise, we're all in trouble, aren't we? Anyone here of the bloodline? No? No? Then what are we all doing here? If we're not physically of a bloodline of Israel, we're in trouble. Aren't you glad it's not based on that? Aren't you glad it's based on the spiritual line? On the order of Melchizedek? So if you're from the order of Melchizedek, which is the Christ line, then you don't base your relationships based on physical things any longer. Because it says there is no mother or father, no genealogy. Or genealogy. Are you tracking me? You're a people of the Spirit. 
So yes, I've come through a physical line, but I'm no longer, that's not where my priorities are. That's not, my natural family is not the primary now in my life. It's you guys. I'm fortunate that my wife is part of that line as well as my children. My older brother's not. And so I have to live a life in patience with everybody because it's not defined by whether I know my physical brother more than you or not. Even people I don't really know really here intimately, the same patience is administered because it's not based on my relationship with you. It's based on my relationship with him. Now imagine if we're all having our relationships based with him, what's capable, what are, we possi- what are the possibilities that we can live out? If every one of us is one, becoming one, growing in oneness with him, we'll have oneness here. We'll have one mind, one heart, one spirit, one purpose. That is powerful. Then a lost world knows that Christ was sent for us and them. And there's the manifestation of the church now coming out, Christ coming out of the church in a tangible, real way that the world can touch, hear, see, dine with. But we're not anchored to their food source. We become a peculiar people, a little bit like, they're weird, but I'm still attracted to them, but they're weird. You have anyone in your life like that? They sort of come and they ask questions and then they back it up and then they come again and they back it up. Can I quite figure out, but I'm intrigued. And we're patient until they come to the place that they're ready. This is why you can be worry-less, anxious-free from salvation. People going here, people going there. What about my kids? What about that? Come into love and be patient and be able to wait and wait and wait. Why? Because he's dead. I'm not. My dad says, son, I got that. Go have a sleep. I got that. Pray. I got that. Don't carry, don't carry the burden of that. It's not yours to carry, son. I'm dead. I got this. Remember, I created this. Before they were even yours, I formed them. You just happened to be the vessel I used. Fun times. One of you got that. Anyway. (laughs) My buddy at the back. (laughs) Can you hear what I've said today? See, Paul is a beautiful example for us all. The man got it so wrong and yet got so much right. And the father's love wasn't based on what he got was wrong. Don't let your wrong disqualify you from what he has that's for you. Don't let your wrong take you out. Repent of it, but don't let it take you out because God doesn't let it take you out. Man, if it was based on my wrongs, I am not in front of you today. And I'm so grateful that my behavior is not based on his love. His love is based on him. He is patient. Amen. So, Father, I thank you for who you are. 
And I thank you the more we receive you, we're able to administer how you do. I thank you, Lord, and I pray that we would believe all things that you say. And the Holy Spirit, you would bring a conviction, a full conviction in our heart, the place that understanding takes place. And as we marinate and we meditate on scriptures this week and Corinthians and in the one I just read out, God, and any other ones you draw to our attention, Lord, I pray that you would reveal the wellspring that's sitting behind the words. I pray, Holy Spirit, that the manna from above, Christ, that has come, that wants us to eat of him and drink of him, would come into us internally, that would create an eternal change in our lives, and that this eternal life, to know your son is eternal life, and your eternal life is full of life. It's full of patience. It's full of kindness. It's full of gentleness. It knows no lack. And so, Lord, I pray that we would seek with all We would go after you and take full advantage of your patience with us and how others are being patient with us so we can grow and mature and receive this full capacity life that's in you. We pray this in Jesus' name to which we have all been called and chosen. Amen. Amen. Any questions, uh, feel free to come up. I'll just be here or email really do want to encourage you to come out at night. I know we're here in the morning, but I really do want to encourage you. Sam's going to be speaking tonight about drawing from the wellspring. How do you draw from here the life that's here? He's going to be sharing his own journey of that. Outside of that, chicken burgers sound amazing. Greg Scully's cooking them. He's an amazing chef, so fly because they'll be, they'll, they won't last, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> Outside of that, we'll see you soon.